0: chapter 15 of Ezekiel, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, how is the wood of the vine better than any wood of a branch which is among the trees of the forest? Can wood be taken from it to make anything? Or can men take a peg from it on which to hang any vessel? Yeah, of course, it's known that when it comes to the vines, they don't make, they're not strong enough to do good wood or make good wood for you to do anything that you'd want to Make uh, as far as furniture is concerned, so when he's talking about the use of vines to make anything, if you want to go out, make a chair, make even a peg, just a peg where they hang a vessel, he's saying it's not strong enough when you use the vine, yeah, and here this is comparison being made to Jerusalem as a vine that is useless, yeah, when it comes to the person doing the art, the the person who is building the objects, to them it becomes useless. If it has been put into the fire for fuel and the fire has been consumed both of its ends and its middle part has been charred, is it then useful for anything? Behold, while it is intact, it has not made into anything. How much less when the fire has consumed it and it is charred, can it still be made into anything? Yeah. By the time it can't give you results, while well, it's not burnt yet, how about when it's burnt? Can it re- release anything? You know, there's some wood that you you'd burn or trees. That when you burn, you still make use of them, maybe as cooking uh, fuel. But when it comes to the vine, it's totally blown out even when it's cooked. So while it's still In its right form, it's useless. After it's been burned, it's still useless. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, as the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which have given to the fire for fuel, so I have given up the inhabitants of Jerusalem and I set my face against them. As useless as the vine is that it's just burned, he says, even you, Jerusalem have become useless. These people sinned against God. These people were against God. They didn't do good things as per what God commanded them to do. In his word, in his uh, commandment, in the law that he had given them, all they had to do was to follow God. And this they didn't do. So it brings judgment against them. though they have come out of the fire, yet the fire will consume them. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them. Thus, I will make the land desolate because they have acted unfaithfully, declares the Lord God. Yeah, So he's saying they will be burnt and they will come out consumed. They will be totally desolate. Even their land, there will be nothing for them to look at and know. Now, it's very interesting how a nation that loved God, How a nation that God treasured as well. He picked them from the land of Egypt. He took them to the promised land. He helped them fight wars. They were his a nation. How they fall so greatly. How they get under such judgment. And that's what happens. Sometimes you're the darling of the Lord. And you need to keep being the darling. How? In obedience in walking with God, in standing for the truth, in doing that which is right all the time. yeah, And that helps us to avoid the judgment that is to come because there's a judgment that is to come. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Ammonite, and your mother a Hittite. Now, remember, straight from the time of Abraham, its nation is being formed. He moves uh, to from, we believe, is a, is Babylon, where he leaves his 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 land, which we are told the land of O, and he goes. Yeah, it's the land of O, the Chaldeans, who we know are the Babylonians, and he moves from there. And goes when God tells them, Leave your homeland. And go, I'm going to make you a great nation. And the land which they eventually occupy is the land of the Canaanites. Yeah? That is where the Hittites were. That's where the Amorites were. So when they are ca- calling them here, that that is their origin of birth. It's because that's the area they come to occupy. That's the area they come to stay in when God creates them as a nation. Yeah. And it's mentioning that your father is an Amorite and your mother a Hittite it doesn't imply that's where they come from because we all know where this nation comes from. Yeah, but the land in which they occupied was occupied by those. So those were the fathers of the land, the mothers of the land from which they come. As for your birth on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even rubbed in clothes. No, eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you to have compassion on you. When Israel was coming out of, the, uh, of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea. We looked, when we were doing those books earlier on in Exodus, that they were being attacked by nations. These Canaanite nations. We saw them attacking them. We saw the Amalekites attacking them. We saw the people of Moab who did not allow them to pass through their land. So nobody was willing in their birth as a nation. Nobody was willing to take care of them as children. Of course, here we read about how a child is taken care of at birth. Yeah, they're fragile. You need to take care of them. Nobody cared for you. No, I looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field. yeah. And it goes on and says, when I passed by you and saw you swarming in your blood, I say to you, while you are in your blood, leave. Yes, I say to you, while you are in your blood, leave. I made you numerous like plants of the field. While well, they're out there in the wilderness having hopeless thoughts, dying, have na- having nothing to show, for a nation that had over 2 million people that walked out of Egypt, God says, I found you there, and I saw you, and I said, leave. When God says, leave, it doesn't matter the circumstances that you're going through. You will leave. When God says, leave, have life, it doesn't matter what has surrounded you. You will have that life. That's what he told his people of Israel here when we study the word, when he says, when I passed by you, and I saw you in a hopeless state, I said, leave. How lucky were they? What had they done to deserve this? Were they the holiest of all? Were they the most righteous of all? No, they were not. But God looked, saw their pain, and said, leave. Sometimes we think we've earned it all. By our own righteousness, by our own actions, by the fact that we pray too much, by the fact that we fast too much, by the fact that we've done so many good things and given to the poor, yes, those are things of the kingdom. Those are things that have to be done. But it's by grace that God lets you live. It's by grace because even in our own lives, we are not righteous enough. We've not met the mark to the point but God has His grace upon us and says, "Live." It is very amazing for us to know that God has great concern over us when He looks at us, and we are out there squirming in our blood like these men were. He says, "I give you another opportunity to live. I give you another opportunity to have life. I give you another opportunity for health." Is somebody who might be out there and you're sick, and you're wondering. Will I leave next month? Because the doctors have said you will not. But when God comes and looks at your pain, he says, leave. Have life. When he comes and finds you in that wilderness, you've lost your job and they've thrown you out of your house. You don't have the rent to pay. God comes out and looks at you, squamming in your blood and says, "Live." And he does not stop there. He told them, I'll make you numerous like the plants of the field. He is going to increase the things in your life. He's going to increase blessing in your life. He's going to increase portions in your life. Things that you never expected. God is going to come and place them upon your life. That's what God does for us. Because he loves us. He multiplies us. He multiplied Israel. From the few, there could appear many that there were about 2 million that left Egypt. But he multiplies them to millions and millions of people. That's the promise he makes to them. Then you grew up, yeah, became tall, and reached the age of fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown. Yet you were naked and bare. Israel grew as a nation. They grew, evidently. At one point, they were a superpower. By the time of Solomon, nations were coming to bow down to them. Nations were coming to give tribute to them because they were a superpower. They were strong, considered the greatest. But he says, in that time when you grew too strong, you were naked and bare. Sometimes we can be growing, yet we are just naked and bare. When we grow, but our lives spiritually are not growing, we are just falling. We are naked and bare. That's the example of these people. In the time they were growing in strength, they started to worship other gods. In the time they were growing in strength and in might and in growth as a nation, they started to do abominations towards the Lord. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I swore to you and I entered into a covenant with you so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. Then I bathed you with water. I washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered clothes and put sandals on your purple skin, he tells them, on your feet. And I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with the ornaments, put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring on your nostril, earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus, you were adorned with gold and silver and your dress was of fine linen, silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey and oil. So you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then... Your fame went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my splendor which I bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. But you trusted in your beauty and played the harlot because of your fame, and you poured out your harlotries on every passer by who might be willing. You took off some of your clothes, made for yourselves high places of various colors, and played the harlot on them which should never come about nor happen. He says, I made you beautiful. I made you a special nation. People were longing to be like you. People would pass by and say, what a beauty. He fights for them in wars. What a beauty. He has given them a land. What a beauty. They are his people. But then, you decide to play a harlot. You see, decide to take on other gods. You decide to become a nuisance for yourselves and say that you took off the clothes that I placed on you. When God picks you from the world, a place of hopelessness, and you come and accept him as your Lord and Savior and says, you are my child, and he places this grace, certain grace upon you, and he washes away your sin, washes away your past. Yeah, delivers you, picks you out from the miry clay, takes you and sits you high, clothes you like royalty. and Says, "This is my child. This is my, my 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 girl, my boy. I've saved them from sin." And then, just after you've been dressed in royalty, you start to check out the things of the world once again. You decide to play a harlot. You decide to start putting idols even in your heart to worship instead of the God who saved you, the Christ who died for you on the cross. You start to look to the things of the world. That's the same thing that happens here. That's the same thing that he's talking about here. And says, moreover, you took your sons and daughters whom you had born to me and sacrifice them to idols to be devoured. That is what Israel had turned to, worshipping Molech, taking their children through fire, sacrificing them, the people that he had dressed in royalty. And he says, were your halotry so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and formed, offered them up to idols by causing them to pass through fire. Yeah. Besides all your abominations and halotries, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare and squamming in your blood then it came about after all the wickedness what do you declare the lord that you built yourself a shrine and made yourself a high place in every square yeah, 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 a high place at the top of every street and made your beauty abominable and you spread your legs to every bypasser to multiply your harlotry. you also played the harlot with the egyptians your lustful neighbors, and multiplied your halitry there to make me angry. Remember, even after they had been taken out of Egypt, through the years, as we look by the time of Jeremiah, they were running back to Egypt, making alliances with Egypt, worshiping the gods of Egypt, where God had picked you. How do you go back to worship those same things? Where God has rescued you from, how do you go back? When he picked you out of a bar, and then you go back to the bar. When he picked you out of places of hopelessness and you ran back there, God clearly says, how do you do that? Behold, now I have stretched my hand against you and diminished your rations. And I delivered you up to the desire of those who hate you, the daughters of the Philistines, who are shamed to your lute conduct. Moreover, you played the halot with the Assyrians because You were not satisfied. You played the halot with them and still were not satisfied. Even when the Assyrians came, they just kept on playing a halot with them, doing life with them, worshipping their gods. And he says to them, you've played a halot. You have multiplied the halotry with the merchants, Chaldea, even in Babylon where they went in captivity. Some of them or many of them started to worship the gods of Babylon. Yet even this you are not satisfied. How languishing is your heart, declares the Lord God, while you do all these things, the actions of a bold-faced harlot. When you built your shrine at the beginning of every street and made your high place in every square, in disdaining money, you are not like a harlot. You, adulter- you adulterous wife, who takes strangers instead of a husband? Continues chapter, verse 33. Men give gifts to all halots, but you give your gifts to all your lovers to bribe them to come to you from every direction for your halotries. Thus, you are different from those women in your halotries, in that no one plays the halot as you do because you give money and no money is given to you. Thus, you are different. He says, Israel, you have taken it on a higher level. There are nations on this earth, but you have taken it on a higher level. Your hallowed is beyond. When you were children of God, but you take it, you take sin to a great level. Higher. Their wickedness is higher than any other nation. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says God, because your lordness was poured out and your nakedness uncovered through your hallowed with your lovers and with all your detestable idols and because of the blood of, the, of your sons which you gave to idols, therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, even all those whom you loved and all those whom you hated. So I will gather them against you from every direction and expose your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness. Thus I will judge you like women who commit adultery or shed blood judged. And I will bring on you the blood of wrath and jealousy. I will also give you into the hands of your lovers, and they will tear down your shrines, demolish your high places, strip you of your clothing, take away your jewels, and leave you naked and bare. He's saying those that you played the harlot with are coming back now to bring you down totally, to destroy you totally, to shame you. They'll put down your high places. We saw that eventually the temple is broken down after Zedekiah. It's burnt down by Babylon. They have nothing left. They stole the precious jewels, the precious stone, the precious vessels that were in the house in the temple being laid bare. They will incite a crowd against you and they will stone you and cut you to pieces with their swords. They will burn your houses with fire and execute judgments on you in the sight of many women. We saw this. Their houses burnt down. The temple burnt down. Then I will stop you from playing the harlot, and you will no longer pay your lovers. So I will calm my fury against you, and my jealousy will depart from you, and I will be pacified and angry no more, because you have not remembered the days of your youth. But having enraged me by all these things, behold, he says, I in turn will bring your conduct down on your head. Declares the Lord, so that you will not commit desolateness on top of all your other abominations. Behold, everyone who quotes proverbs will quote this proverb concerning you. What's the proverb? Like mother, like daughter. You are the daughter of your mother who loathed her husband and children. You are also the sister of your sisters who loathed their husbands and children. Your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. Now your older sister is Samaria who lives north of you with her daughters. Remember, we looked at that. The people who were living in the northern side were Israel. The people who were living in the southern side were Judah. Now he's talking to you, telling them, your older sister, Samaria. Why it becomes Samaria is after their captivity with Assyria, they assimilated. They bring different people from all over the world and put them into the land of Israel, which is in the northern kingdom, and they totally disappeared. They are known as the Ten Lost Tribes. Those ten tribes totally disappeared. They were taken out through the nations, and even in their own land, the Assyrians brought other people of nations, and they got a mixed race, which which came to be known as the Samaritans. They were not pure anymore. And we shall see later that the people of the southern tribe who were known as the Jews now took all pride. They were saying we are the pure ones. For you, you are not pure. You are not the real Jews. Yeah? So the people of Judah are those that have the word Jew that they feel has not been watered down by assimilations like it was for their brothers or sisters, as they're called here Samaria, who lived in the north. And your younger sister who lives south of you is Sodom with her daughters. Yet you have not merely walked in their ways or done according to their abominations, but as if it were too little, you acted more corruptly in all your conduct than they live. As I live, declares the Lord, Sodom, your sister and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. It's interesting here. But Judah is being told, Sodom, which was destroyed, was not as evil as you. Can you imagine? By the time, that's how much God was so gracious with the people of Israel that he did not destroy them when he had to. They were they were doing worse than Sodom which was brought down with brimstone and fire. But God spared them. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abandoned food, and careless ease, but did not help the poor and needy, thus they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. Those well, are the things God chose to remove Sodom. They were not helping the poor. They were doing abominations. They were arrogant. All this now, Judah has topped that chart and even done worse as we are being told here. Thus, you have made your sisters appear righteous. By all your abominations which you have committed. He's saying with with the way you are, Judah, and what you've done, Sodom appears like his righteous. That's how much f- the nation of God had fallen, that even when you would compare them with Sodom, Sodom was much better. As we are being told here. Yeah? Also, bear your disgrace in that you have made judgment favorable for your sisters because of the sins in which you acted more abominably than they, they are more in the right than you. Yes, be also ashamed and bear your disgrace in that you made your sisters appear righteous. He's saying you have made Sodom appear righteous. Nevertheless, I will restore their captivity, their captivity of Sodom and her daughters, the captivity of Samaria and her daughters, and along with them, your own activity. So he says, I'll restore all of you in order that you may bear your humiliation and feel ashamed for all that you've done and have become a desolation. Your sister Sodom with her daughters, and Samaria with her daughters, have returned return to their former state, and you with your daughters, have also return to your former state. As the name of your sister Sodom was not heard from your lips in your day of pride before your weakness was uncovered, so now you have become the reproach of the daughters of Edom and all who are around her, of the daughters of a Philistine, those surrounding you who despise you, you, have borne the penalty of your lewdness and abominations, the Lord declares, for thus says the Lord God, I'll also do to you as you have done, you who have despised the oath by breaking the covenant. Nevertheless, I'll remember my covenant with you. That's how gracious God is. Nevertheless, that you've lived much more evil, a life than Sodom which I destroyed. He says, I'll remember my covenant with you. In the days of your youth. And I will establish a covenant. An everlasting covenant. He says with you. Then you will remember your ways. And be ashamed. When you receive your sisters. Both your older and younger. And I will give them to you as daughters. But not because of your covenant. Thus I will establish my covenant with you. He says. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So that you may remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth anymore because of your humiliation when I have forgiven you for all that you have done. The Lord God declares, he's had mercy on them. He'll have mercy on them. He will consider them because he's a gracious God. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray and ask you to lead us. Help us walk lives that are righteous and do your will. Two times. In Jesus' name.